0: Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. I was thinking as they were done singing, and and then Pastor Mike was talking, you know, what a What a bold stance we just took by saying to God that we know he's a healer, we know he's a provider, we know he's a way maker, we know all these things that he is, light and darkness, and then we followed that up by saying even if we don't see it or feel it, we still believe it. My goodness, church, pat yourselves on the back a little bit, not in pride, but understand what you just said what we just proclaimed in the air of this house and in this city is powerful. God is all of those things, even if He's not those things to you. But He will be to somebody. Amen? He will be to somebody. And there will be times, because He's just that good, where He will be that to you too. How often have we found Him to be a way maker? Amen? There was no way out. There was no way through. But somehow, some way, He made a road in the sea if He had to. When we were waiting on a healing and we hadn't got it yet, but then somehow, some way, he brought it. Or provision, or whatever it is that you need. Be encouraged today. You took a bold stand. Stay there. Stay there in boldness, all right? Sermon number one, all right. We're going to be in the book of Acts. Chapter 17 is where we're going to start. We're not going to finish there. We're going to hit 1 Corinthians. We're going to hit Romans. Might throw a little John in there, too. We'll see. See how it plays out. Now I'll start my timer for 30 minutes, which means absolutely nothing to you, but we'll go for it. The point is I'm making the effort, okay? I'm making the effort. All right, Acts chapter 17, verse 22. So Paul stood in the midst of the Arias Pagas and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything that is in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since He Himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might feel around for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each of us. For in Him we live and move and exist. And even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his descendants. Therefore, since we are the descendants of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by human skill and thought. So, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now proclaiming, God is now proclaiming to mankind that all people everywhere are to repent Because he has set a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all people by raising that man from the dead. That's Jesus. Verse 32. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to scoff. But others said, We shall hear from you again concerning this. So Paul went out from among them, but... Some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Church, I want to preach to you this morning, going forward in the power of the gospel. Going forward in the power of the gospel. Are you ready for that? Can we pray? Father, we invite you into this word. We invite you into this time. Lord God, we have made bold proclamations of faith today already, and we ask your word to come alongside what we have been praising and worshiping you for, and that it would bolster it, that it would point us in the direction you have for us. God, that we may go and accomplish, that we may obtain on this side of the kingdom what your kingdom has for us in this city, and in our families. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Open up our ears to hear. Come on, church. Open up our ears to hear and our hearts to receive the good seed of the word. God, that it may get in us and produce life, yes, but life that remains in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is in Athens, Greece. Athens at that time was a center of culture, a center of philosophy and ideology, a center of politics, a center of all kinds of hippy-dippy stuff, liberal stuff, amen, and it was the center of commerce. It was a place to be. That's where Athens was, and Paul was there because of that. Paul did not shy away from that. He went into the midst of it. However, we see a, an interesting encounter that happens in the life of this great apostle, You could probably argue that Paul's one of the greatest apostles that's ever been, at least in terms of his reach and his impact. And what we see is that Paul gets into Athens, and he begins to observe the city that he's in. He observes the culture that he's in. It's a very different culture from ancient Middle Eastern Jerusalem, all right? Very different culture. It's very cosmopolitan. It's very intellectual. It's very elite. It's all these different things, all right? That's what uh, Athens was at the time, and he's in this culture, and he's out in the, the synagogues, and he's in the marketplace, and he's seeing all that's going on in this city, and Paul was there to do one thing. I want you to understand, Paul did not just happen upon Athens, but he went there on purpose because there was something that he believed God could accomplish in such a pagan place, in a place that was full of humanism and philosophy and ideology, a place that worshiped self and mankind over the Creator. He believed God could do something in that kind of culture. That kind of culture sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? That's not too far off the mark, is it, of where we live right now. Granted, we're in Kentucky, and it's, it's a little better here in, than some places, but it's still in the air. It's still in the mindset. It's in the, the, the spirit of the age, right? Right? So Paul goes into this city hoping, believing that God wants to do something amazing. And he does what he always did. Paul would go into a city and he would first seek out the Jews that lived there. And he would go to the Jews and then he would get into the synagogue. Anytime there were ten Jewish families in a community, they would fund and build a synagogue. And so he would meet the Jews and he would go into the synagogue and he would begin to reason with them and teach them about Jesus from the perspective of the Old Testament. And he would demonstrate the healing power of God. He would deliver people. He'd raise people from the dead. He would do all of that alongside sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he would go out into the city, and he would encounter the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. And he would do the same thing. He'd talk about Jesus, and he would show them what Jesus could do. Heal their bodies, provide, raise the dead, do all that stuff that we love. And then as he began to amass believers, he would begin to convert people. Then he would put those two groups together and he would create a community, a Christian community within that city called a church, the ecclesia in Greek, the church. Okay, And that church would come together and then Paul would make it his mission over the next several months or years to train up and raise up uh, people who were believers in Jesus who had anointing in And who could teach and preach and who understood the word, right? So all this makes sense to you, okay? This is what Paul did. And then once it was sure and established, Paul would take off and go to the next place. And then he'd stay in touch, okay? So that's what Paul was planning to do in Athens. I need you to understand this. That's what Paul was planning to do in Athens. If Paul had accomplished this, we would have a book in our Bible called Athenians. You understand that? We would not just have Thessalonians and Corinthians and Ephesians, but we would have a book called Athenians because that level of work that God had done in those other cities or would do, in this case, he went to Athens before all those, that level of work, he wanted to see it done in Athens. He had a heart for Athens. He wanted to see those brilliant people come to that simple knowledge of Jesus. That's what he wanted. He wanted those wealthy people who weren't—they weren't necessarily starving. That's why they had time for art and poetry and philosophy. You got time to do all that stuff when you're not worrying about dying, right? That's kind of America's problem. We got too much stuff, so then we get off in all this weird junk, and we end up in a bad spot. That's why our culture is the way it is. That's a—that's an oversimplification, but that—that that is what it is. So here Paul is in this city, and he's beginning to make headway and to make ground by sharing the gospel. And he he has this experience in chapter 17. He goes up to the Areopagus, and it's, it's Mars Hill is what we call it today. He goes up to this place. It was a, a pedestal of a mountain, and it, it had temples on it, and it was where the philosophers met. All the brilliant people of the day were there, and he just observed. He just walked around, and he observed, and he had this realization as he was doing that. He saw a temple on... Mars Hill, he saw a temple that said to an unknown God, and something leapt within Paul and said, Men, these people are open to worshiping something that they don't even know. They're worshiping a question mark. They don't even know who he is. This is my door. This is my opening. All right, you with me so far? This is the opening. And so then Paul delivers in this passage a fantastic sermon. I mean, you want to talk about a great sermon. What a great sermon. What a clever approach, right? If you're a preacher, if you ever have heard a good sermon, you've probably heard preachers talk about this sermon on Mars Hill. Paul's sermon on Mars Hill, it was awesome, it was awesome, it was awesome. But I want to highlight something to you. I want to show you that even the greatest, one of the greatest apostles in all of Scripture had to have an adjustment in his message. I want to show you that Paul, the apostle, had to take stock and say, you know what, I don't think I quite did that right. Here's what happened. He preaches the message. In verse uh, 32, it says, When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to scoff and mock. Listen, anytime you talk about Jesus like he's real, because he is, is, not was, is. Was and is and will be. Anytime you talk about Jesus like that, there will be people that look at you like you have three heads. They're going to look at you, you've got, you might have a degree or, or three, you might have a professional career, but the second you start talking about a man who lived a perfect life, who died in my place and rose again on the third day, you're going to get some looks. Oh, you're one of those people. Lots of folks don't know those people still exist. But here we are. Amen? Here we are. We are those. Amen? We believe the gospel. And the gospel is that mankind was unbelievably, impossibly in debt because of our sin. There was no way out. There was no amount of good. There was no amount of work that we could do to make a way for ourselves out. And therefore, God, instead of starting over like he had other times, instead of wiping us out, God said, This time I will redeem them. They are deemed unworthy. I will redeem them. I will make them worthy by sending my son. And he will live as one of them, but better than them. He lived a life we could not live, church. It's not just that he lived a good life. He lived the impossible life, a life of everyday submission, a life of everyday obedience, saying, not my will, but your will, Father. Anybody done that your whole life? I didn't think so. I have good days. I have days where I nail it, and then I have two or three where I don't. And I'm the preacher. We're all like that, aren't we? And here Jesus came, and he lived this impossible life, and he obeyed God every day. He humbled himself. He submitted his flesh to the obedience of God and his word every single day. And then, when the time came, he took our punishment. We deserve the punishment. Do you understand? Every stripe on his back was actually meant for your back. Do you understand that? Every punch that he took from those soldiers was meant for your face. Everything that he endured was meant for you. That was your cross, not his. That was yours. That had your name on it. But instead, they put King of the Jews on it, right? They put Jesus on your cross. And Jesus died not just for you, but as you. He died as you. You deserve that brutal murder. You are guilty as sin. You deserved it like those thieves on either side of him. But he died as you. But then, he also got up as you. Amen? Amen? He did not just die as you. He rose again as you. And he said, if you will just believe that I am who I say I am, that I have done what I've said I've done, if you will just believe, then you can have my eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Amen. It's interesting that word gospel is actually, in the the Greek, is actually a combination of the word good and messenger. Church, we had a good messenger with a good message. Amen. He showed up and he said, hey, if you'll believe in me, you can be with me. And not just be with me, but be like me. This is the gospel. This is what Paul was talking about. Some began to scoff, but others said, we'll hear from you again concerning this, which was the Greek way of saying, eh, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. And then in verse 34, it says, but some men joined him. That word some actually means certain. Certain men joined him and believed. Certain people joined him and believed. But you know what didn't happen in Athens? Paul didn't start a church in Athens. There weren't mass miracles and conversions in Athens. All the results that Paul would normally see didn't happen. How do we know that? Because later he goes to Corinthians. That's his next stop is in Corinth. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. This is interesting. I want you to juxtapose these two, these two approaches that Paul took. Okay? Compare the two to each other. He says, And when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come as someone superior in speaking ability or wisdom. As I proclaim to you the testimony of God. Now what about wisdom? Why did he say wisdom, superiority of speaking ability and wisdom? Wisdom is what the Athenians and the Greeks prized the most. Wisdom fought. One of the other verses, I think, in, in Acts 17 prior to verse 22, it says that the people just love to gather and hear new things. They just wanted to hear and think on new stuff. right? And so this is the people he was reaching out to, and it didn't work in Athens. He got some harvest, okay? He saw some prominent people, uh, Dionysius, that guy, and, and uh, Damaris those were important people. That lady, they must have mattered to the early church or he wouldn't have named them. But he didn't see the harvest and the result that we get in Corinthians where a body of believers is established, where people have relationship with the apostle and they grow and they learn from it, right? So when he gets to Corinth sometime later, however long it was, he, and he he establishes the churches, all that happens. And he's writing back to them a couple years later and he says to them, listen, when I came to you, I did not come trying to speak in superiority. I did not come to you speaking in wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. He said in verse 2, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want you to see, church, the great Apostle Paul, the man who wrote two-thirds of that New Testament, the man who went all over the known world, who bore stripes, and scars on his body for the sake of Christ that man didn't minister as effectively in Athens as he could have and if he could do that don't you believe we could do that don't you believe that maybe for the last X amount of years in Winchester maybe we've not ministered as effectively as we could it's not that we've been derelict in how we minister it's not that we've been uh, lazy or, or, or wrong even It's that there's more. I told the Sunday school class today, I feel like the Lord has put the house on on a chiropractor table. And he's just working his way down, just popping, popping his way down. Just adjusting. He's not kicking us out of the house. He's not putting us over his knee. He's not bringing out the whip and lash like sometimes we probably deserve. He's got us on there and he's adjusting us. Last week he adjusted our perspective on worship. He he reminded us. You remember the sermon from last week? All right. I need to see some heads nodding. Otherwise, we'll do it again. All right. About worship, about the lowering of self, the submission of self. The highest point of me is lower than the lowest point of him. About how that it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not our Father who art in heaven, here's what I need. Amen. Worship. Worship. But here's the other side of the coin. We need worship. We've got to lift Jesus up so that he may draw all men unto him. We have to. We have to. But we've got to partner that worship, that lifting of Jesus with the gospel of Jesus. The truth of the gospel. The good news that God came looking for sons and daughters. That God came looking for sons and daughters and he paid the ransom through one so that many could come to him. The good news of the gospel. Paul said, in hindsight, man, I didn't do it right. That's what Paul said. I didn't do it right. He said, I determined. That word determined means decided, judged. I determined. I weighed it all out. Paul was a smart guy. He wasn't a bumpkin from the holler. He was a smart guy. All right, nothing against that. You know what I mean. I don't want somebody to get mad. Paul was a smart guy, and Paul took time to reevaluate. Paul took time to say, you know what, I need to adjust something, because I didn't get the result I wanted. I didn't get the result I believed God wanted. Church, we we have results, God-sized results, that we've not seen yet. We have God-sized harvest that we've not put our hands upon yet. We've got people that we know and love that need Jesus, and it's not happened yet. So maybe this is our opportunity to take stock. Maybe this is our opportunity to say, you know what? I've got to realign something. We need to realign, don't we? It's not just us up here. It's we. Amen. God challenged us last week to get our focus on Sunday morning off of us and to worship him. To put our emphasis upon Him. Now, we have to make room for the gospel. To partner alongside that worship. What good is it to lift Jesus up and never give anyone the chance to meet Him? And how good of a believer, air quotes, are we? If we know this Jesus and we never invite others to come and meet Him. Amen? Stepping on toes, sorry. Mine too. Our Father did something impossible. And for many of us, He brought us from a low, low place. Amen. He brought us from an impossible place. And don't you know He can do that for somebody else? Don't you believe that He can do that for your cousin? and your grandson and your coworker don't you believe that your husband or your wife are not too far outside of the reach of the gospel of Jesus Christ we know it we know it but we've got to put it into action we've got to do what paul did we've got to take inventory and say you know what it's not about speaking ability it's not about wisdom i have determined to know nothing among you except jesus christ and him crucified that word know in the greek it actually means to see Paul says, I got my eyes on the wrong thing, but now they're back on Jesus. I've got my eyes on the wrong thing in Athens, but in Corinth, they were back on Jesus. I'm going to see nothing among you except Jesus. Nothing among you except Jesus. We got gifts, we got anointing, we got talents, all that great, but Jesus is more important. Jesus is what saves our family. We've got great songs. We've got talented people. It's awesome. It's easy to get in God's presence. But we've got Jesus. We must determine to see nothing among this city but Christ and Christ crucified. Amen? We must determine. It's not about being Pentecostal. Don't draw up on me now. It's not about getting our shout on or our fuzzy feeling on. It's not about getting our message in tongues. It's about Jesus. That's all it's about is Jesus. And I want to show you something because everybody's like, well, hold on. I really like all that stuff, and I do too. Listen, I've been born in it, man. I have seen everything that you can see in Pentecost. I love, oh, I love God's presence. I love the prayer lines. I love all that. Amen? But if that's all Winchester needed, it'd be saved by now. Because we've had a lot of good ones, haven't we? We've had some good ones. Think back to those experiences over the years that we've had in this house where pastor or apostle would pray for somebody and 10 people around him fall out. I remember that. I was one of the 10. I was 9, 10, 11 years old, and I was in that group of people, and he touched the first guy, and we all went down like bowling pins. That was awesome. But, man, it didn't save Winchester. I loved it but it didn't save Winchester. Man, it was a landmark for me, but it didn't save Winchester. So, he said in verse 3, I also was with you in weakness and fear and in great trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, here he highlights this again, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now, here's what I want to show you. This is what leapt within my spirit when I read this verse. It is all about Jesus. And when we make it all about Jesus, Jesus brings all that Jesus has. We want people being slain in the Spirit, speaking in tongues. We want all that. The best way to get it is to focus on Jesus. Amen? Because here's what happens. If we do it any other way, we begin to engineer it. Amen? We begin to make it atmospheric, environmental. If we get the right music, oh, Waymaker, man, that song, that slaps every time. That's gonna work. That's what the kids say, right? Slaps. Anyway, <laughs> I heard somebody say that recently. Oh, Brandon said it to me. Daggone, man. He's young. That's right. <laughs> it was about a worship song, too. He said, man, that worship song slaps. I was like, I've never heard it in that context. Awesome. We think, I hope that doesn't mean anything bad. If it does, give me grace, okay? I'm sorry. We think sometimes that if we get the right environment and the right atmosphere, we get the right songs going, the right set list put together, man, if they come in and they, they start off with that song, I'm going neck deep, right? I'm ready, amen? We do that sometimes. we got to start this way. we got to do this thing. And I just want to stir within us. I want to bring this adjustment then we need to understand that it has to be about Jesus first. It has to be about the gospel. It has to be about Jesus. And as we lift up Jesus, and then we tell people about who we're lifting up, He will draw all men unto Him, and He won't just draw them unto Him for salvation. He'll fill them with the Holy Ghost. Amen? He'll give them gifts. He'll give them anointing. He'll give them ministry. He'll put all that in people. But it all starts with Jesus. That's why Paul said, I determined that I will not bring words of wisdom or speaking ability. I will not come that way again. I'm bringing Jesus, and Jesus will bring the overflow. Amen? Jesus will bring the power and the deliverance and the the encounters that we all love about Pentecost. Amen? But what we need is not the power and the encounters first. We need Jesus first. And if we proclaim Jesus, Christ, and Him crucified, then when Jesus shows up, He's going to bring all His stuff. That means your healing, your blessing, your gifting, your anointing, all that stuff that we love. Romans chapter 1, verse 11. I might skip 11. Sorry, Steve. He says, let's go to verse 14. Paul is speaking to the Romans. This is his first chapter, so he's kind of introducing everything, giving all the background. He's talking about how that he wants to be, to come to their church and to meet everybody. And he's just been corresponding with them. He's never actually met uh, the majority of them. So he's, he's talking about all that. He says in verse 14, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to the uncultured, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I want to camp out here for a second. We've all heard this verse before, Romans one16 I'm not ashamed of the, of the gospel for it is the power of Of God. That word power in the Greek means force or miraculous ability. I need you to understand the power of the gospel is not in our ability to share it, it's in his ability to bring it. Amen? It's in the fact that he did it miraculously, forcefully. God did not just tiptoe around creation when he did what he did through Jesus. You have got to understand the second Jesus showed up into places, the devils took notice. There were demons that came in, in embodying people. They came and threw themselves at the feet of Jesus because they knew who he was better than his own people did. They threw themselves and begged for their existence. No time do you see a devil ever in the life of Jesus come up to him and try to overpower him. They always come submitted because Christ is the head of all authority. There's not a demon in hell that can overpower. Even Satan could not overpower him. He had to try to deceive him. If he were big and bad enough and strong enough, like we fear that he is sometimes, you'd think he could just show up in a wilderness and show up to a a mostly starving man and just put him in a headlock and make him do whatever. But even in his weakest state, Jesus was more than any devil that came to him. He was more. So the gospel is the power, that power, that miraculous power, that miraculous ability of God. It's sourced in God. It's from God. When the gospel is preached, God gets involved. When the gospel is preached, when it's brought to people, God steps in. He he starts sending the Spirit to draw. He starts drawing on them. He does all these things as we lift up Jesus and then we proclaim the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. That word for means into salvation into salvation. If I'm going into something, that means I've come from somewhere. Amen? If I were to take the water from my bottle on this side and pour it into this cup, into that water, it ends up in the cup, but it came from the other side, right? The other bottle. It is the power of God into salvation for anyone, everyone who believes That means no matter where they are, by the power of the gospel, the power of God can bring them into salvation. That means no matter how lost they appear to be, how bound, how broken, how destroyed, how addicted, it does not matter how long they've been gone, how down they have gone. It does not matter where they are. All that matters is the power of God can bring them into salvation through the gospel. All right? So that means we need the gospel. We need the gospel every service. We need the gospel every week. We need the gospel every week. The people you love and know need the gospel every Sunday. You need the gospel every Sunday. It is the power of God. You do need it every day. You do need it every day. But especially when we come together. Amen, especially when we gather in our Father's house and we lift up the Son, our brother, Jesus. We especially need to give an opportunity. We need to invite folks to be a part, and we're going to talk about that next week. So everybody go on and get uncomfortable. Get it all out. We're going there next week. But we have the best message that ever has been. The best message there ever was. And so many of us in here, I would dare say almost all of us in here have been the beneficiaries of that message. We have reaped the results of a good message from a good messenger. Amen. A good God that came looking for sons and daughters. A good God that paid the way, that made a way where there was no way through Jesus. It is the power of God into salvation for everyone who believes. For everyone. There's no one off limits. No one off-limits from the gospel. Nobody you love, nobody you hate is off-limits from the gospel. Winchester is not bound enough that it's off-limits from the gospel. It's not. So here's what we're going to do. You ready? We're going to give an opportunity every single Sunday for people to hear the gospel. Every single Sunday. We're going to give time to it. We're going to give real estate to it. Right? This Think about it. This room right here is the most important room on this property because everything that happens in here flows into everything else, right? If it doesn't go well in here, people don't come back. They don't give. Um, We can't pay the bills. No kids ministry can happen if nobody's bringing their kids because they don't like service. Does that make sense? No youth group can happen. Most important place. This is our most important time every single Sunday. Most important time. This is when most of us are together in one place. This is when we have the most visitors at one time is right now in this two-hour time frame. Therefore, it is our opportunity to sacrifice our most important time to the Lord our God who did the most important thing for us. It is our opportunity to say to God, God, we're going to give you time to reap a harvest. Amen. God, we're going to give you time to tell people about what your son did for them on that cross and when he got up from that grave. God, we're going to give you time. We're going to give you real estate to do it in. You're going to get this whole room, Jesus, every single Sunday to hear the gospel, to proclaim yourself over this house. Now, I want you to understand that does not mean we're going to stop discipling you. You enjoy this kind of deep preaching, don't you? We're going to still do that too. We're going to do that too, and it's not going to be an every other week kind of thing, and I'm already jumping ahead of everything. It's not going to be an every every week kind of thing where it's like, all right, every other week, all right, we're doing gospel this Sunday, discipleship this Sunday. Nope, we're doing it all. We're going to do it all. We're going to do it all. Come on. Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Are you? I'm going to get bold. If you don't like it, don't tell me. As I'm, I'm like feeling it. I'm not going to care. All right. If you don't like the idea of giving more time in service because of the gospel, you got a problem. And nobody said that. I'm, nobody's saying that. But I don't want anybody pulling back saying, oh gosh, we're going to be in church 20 minutes longer. You, you want to trade the gospel in Winchester for 20 minutes a week? Okay. Amen. Amen. Thank you, thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are we going to be that religious? We're going to be that Pharisaical. You know, pharisaical, however, whatever the word is, that we're going to say Jesus no. I don't want to stick around 20 more minutes. Or 30. Or an hour. I'll admit, I'm not hoping for an hour, but we'll we'll see what we can do. But if God's doing it, are we gonna care? If God's in it, are we gonna care? Amen. Now listen, listen. We got enough practical sense to know. We got enough practical sense to know that we have to partner any kind of addition to this service time with some streamlining. Is that fair? I'm not going to ask you to stick around an extra 20 minutes. Not do my best to maximize our time together. So that's what we're going to do. Starting on Sunday, February 5th. Sunday, February 5th. We're going to start on time at 11 a.m. every single week. Somebody just fell out. <laughs> Listen, this is going better than I thought it would. That's awesome. I'm not going to have anything to preach on the last week of January. I'm telling it all now. Listen, we're going to add two, but we're going to take away some too. By that, I mean we're going to start on time. We'll gain ten minutes a week doing that. We're going to take announcements that could be Facebook posts or bulletin entries or on the loop, and we're going to put them on the loop. So We're not going to take all your time announcing everything that's going on. Sometimes there's a lot going on. We're not going to take time from the gospel to tell you about something that's happening. Amen. But that means you've got to show up and hear what's happening. You've got to watch the, the loop before service. You'll have to check Facebook. We'll put it on Facebook every single week so you can see it. Does that make sense? Is everybody okay? Yeah. Nobody's ready to jump ship? Yeah. All right. All right. Very cool. The gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God. That will take those people we love, those people we hate, take them from where they are into salvation. And how can we not offer them that gospel every time they're in the building? Now next week, we got to talk about getting them in the building. That doesn't just fall to the preachers. I know a lot of people, but I don't know all the people you know. All right? How's everybody doing? Anybody mad at me? Awesome. You say yes? (laughs) That's not cool. (laughs) He didn't hear what I said. Stand up, please. Stand up. Reverse that. Listen, I want you to understand everything that I'm sharing with you guys has been run through Apostle Hall, Sister Hall. All right? There's nothing. Matt's not Cavalier taking over doing all this stuff. All right? Please understand that. They asked me to convey it. But it's it's in their heart to do it. Amen? And it's my honor to convey it. It's my privilege as a son, but as one of your, your brothers, to convey that to you. And church, I'm telling you, there is something. There, there are times where I go a few days without really dwelling on it, and then I think about it again, and I'm like, I don't know if we can do it. And then I think about it, and I think about it, and oh, my spirit just starts churning within me. My spirit starts telling me and reminding me. I'll go through Dairy Queen, and I'll see the people in their work, and, and my, my heart breaks for them. The ones that, I don't know if they know Jesus or not, but my heart breaks if they don't. The people at Walmart that I see, the people I work with. I think about people I've worked with for 10 years that I've never invited to church. And it gets in my spirit that this is our opportunity. That why would God lead us to a positioning where we're, we can begin to harvest people and then not provide a harvest? Why would God give us the the desire to love this city and save and transform this city and then never give us the opportunity to make room for them? It is now. It's not 20 years from now. We're not waiting on a big building or a bunch of money. It's now. Amen? Paul said that the gospel is The power of God. It is. It is right now. It's as much now as it was 2,000 years ago when he said it. It is still the power of God that Winchester needs. It is still the power of God that your children need and that your family needs, that your co-worker needs. It is the power of God. And we have it. We have it. And you're not even going to have to share it yet. Yet. You're going to bring them here, and one of us is going to share it. But guess what? Six months from now, when you've been hearing the gospel every single Sunday, when you've been hearing every single week, being reminded the great impossibility that God accomplished in you, it's going to be so a part of you. It's going to be so alive and fresh in you. You're not going to have any trouble telling the coworkers in a tactful, polite way how good Jesus has been. You're not going to have any trouble articulating the gospel. If if you go to the average American Christian and ask them to tell the gospel to you, they'll look at you and stutter and stammer. I would hope in this house that's not the case. But guess what? We're about to get some weekly training on how to share the gospel. We're about to get some weekly knowledge on what it's like to talk about Jesus. And you know what? This house won't be the only harvest point. We won't just rely on you to bring people in. We'll go out too. Amen? We'll go out too. But God is first calling us to give of our most important thing. This service has forever been about, for a while been about, us getting what we need to get through. But God is all we need to get through. Jesus is all that we need to get through. He has it all. He freely gives it all. Amen. Therefore, I need to focus on Jesus. We need to focus on Jesus, and we're going to give him the best time and the best real estate that we have. And that's Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. And starting on February 5th, the praise team is going to come out, and they're going to open service at 11. Amen. And we're not going to start with needs, not because your needs aren't important. We're going to make room for needs at the end. But we're going to start with praise and worship because it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, not what I need. All right? Is everyone on board with that? Everybody cool? You want the gospel proclaimed in this city? And let's not forget. Let's not forget that we're not just proclaiming it to the people in the house, but we're putting it in the air of this city. We're challenging the prince of the power of the air over Winchester, who is every Sunday telling people they're worthless, telling them that they can't be fixed, that they're broken beyond repair. Every Sunday people are hearing how horrible they are. But we're going to proclaim into the air of Winchester that Jesus is king and that our king came looking for brothers and sisters. And when you get them in the door, they're going to hear all about Jesus. Doesn't that sound great? That's something we can all do. And I'm excited for it. I'm ready for it. Amen. Let's lift our hands. And can we just say to the Lord that we're bought in? Jesus, we're bought in. Jesus, we know that you and your news, your message, it's the power of God unto salvation. God, it's brought so many of us out of the deepest, darkest depths of our life. Over and over again, Jesus, it's been the way to salvation for us. And Jesus, we want it to be the way of salvation for Winchester, for our sons and daughters, for our cousins, our nieces and nephews, our uncles, our aunts, our mom and dad, our husband, our wife, our coworkers, our enemies. God, everybody is is open for the gospel. And Jesus, we promise today, we promise today, it's not just me, not just the pastors, we promise today to give of you our most important time, to make Sunday about you and your kingdom, not about us and our needs. And God, in the overflow, in the overflow of worshiping Jesus, God, show up in power. God show up to deliver. God show up to heal. God set people free. God rebuild people as we focus on Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 It is the power of God. And it's for Winchester. And we're going to take it to Winchester. Amen? And every demon in hell is going to hear about Jesus every Sunday. Everything that binds you and binds your family is going to hear about Jesus every Sunday and what he did for him, for us. Amen? Are you pumped up? You feeling good? Ah, it's about halfway. I know I've had you clap a lot. Sorry. Sorry. Will you let this get in you this week? Will you, will you listen to it again on the podcast? If you don't know how to do that, talk to one of the young people. They'll show you how to do it. I'm assuming if you're older, you may not know how. That's a little bit of ageism. I apologize. I know he can't do it, so. <laughs> Can we get it in us, let it churn and stir within us? Can we start preparing for February? where we start on time, where the, we, we get into worship right away, where we give God the opportunity. And listen, we're not going to start the gospel stuff right away in February. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna step in, okay? Is that okay? We're going to wait in. I'm that kind of person. I don't like going in the deep end. We're going to wait in, but we're going to do it. Before Easter, we're going to be bringing the gospel every single Sunday in this house. Is that cool? All right. All right. Praise Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Mike. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.